With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everybody to another episode of the In The Paint Show presented by Ball Is Life. This is Ronnie Flores with my co-host Chelsea Hopkins. Chelsea, how are you doing? Our guy Ani's uh, traveling the country going down to NBA Players Camp, so he'll give us a report on the, the next episode. But how's everything going? Everything is good. I'm excited to be back. We had a great draft show episode, so I'm ready to be back in the swing of things and talk some basketball. Yeah, you know, it was a great show. appreciate everybody that listened in prior to the draft and into the few first picks. Thanks to all the people all over the world, really. We had people from outside the country. You could go replay the interviews. It's time-stamped on the Ball is Life uh, podcast network on YouTube. Obviously, if you're listening to this episode, we, we do a YouTube version, which you could always jump on. We did have some player comparisons, some highlights we showed, which if you're listening, you might be like, well, what are they talking about? But if you're watching it, you, you'll know that we're giving a comparison or, or making some kind of um, some kind of player comparison. So, yeah, watch the YouTube version if you can. And, uh, you know, we're going to have maybe a few more highlights, a few guys we, we talk about that we didn't get to talk about then, kind of our post-draft analysis. So. We'll talk about that, but let's jump into some broader uh, basketball topics, Chelsea. And obviously the number one topic people are talking about now after the draft is over is a big topic. And it's uh, literally and figuratively uh, Brittany Griner. Why don't you give us an update on that and just give your give your uh, opinion of what's going on or what's not happening? Yeah. So uh, Brittany, she appeared in court. Um, I believe it was yesterday. Uh, her trial is actually set for July 1st, but they have decided to extend her for six months um, just being detained. So, you know, the trial could, you know, sometimes these things take a while, uh, but obviously she's gonna remain in Russia um, custody um, until something becomes of it. But uh, from my understanding of the situation and what I'm being told, um, this was all expected. So sure. Brittany was appearing before a judge. Um, we expect her to actually be convicted um, probably wow. when she has trial in the first. So she's facing up to 10 years. But needless to say, it's all kind of theatrical. Um, yeah. They were saying, you know, Russia is going to, they, they like to increase the hype. They like to put out these little, hey, you know, we're going to keep Brittany for six more months, um, you sure. know, increase the outrage or whatever. Um, it's just a strategy to them, you know, to, to make this seem like a big deal, which it absolutely is. Um, but they're sure. hoping that, you know, the response from, you know, maybe us American citizens will kind of influence the government. And ultimately, their end goal is to get some type of uh, something from this. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I'm hearing that, you know, maybe there'll be some type of uh, prisoner swap 
We actually have a Russian, I believe, arms trafficker um, yeah. in U.S. custody. So they're saying maybe, you know, after trial or whatever, and she gets convicted that um, that they'll request the release of him. But um, ultimately, you know, uh, it's unfortunate and it's sad. Um, she's going to be there until something becomes of it. But they're looking for some type of exchange. And it's certainly a political, you know, kind of pawn situation. Yeah, that that makes sense. And that that kind of like so what did we expected. The only thing that I thought of that was like, wow, that to her situation, that it was a fact that was like, whoa, I didn't understand that. Is his wife, her wife hasn't spoken to her since February 17th. And I'm like, whoa, that's a long time ago. You know, yeah. that's the one fact that I'm like, wow, that's puts it in perspective of what's going on and how uh, devastating it would be for anybody's family and for her family and her friends, her, her friends in the WNBA and, and other people that love her and like her. Um, now, my personal opinion that, again, that is a different from those facts, the facts you just stated, is that it's like I see other social um social commentary and other social incidents and this is a worldwide incident is that we're walking on thin ice because you if you if you make a drastic move it's like yes Brittany Griner may come home she may be safe but then are you starting something bigger that's going to put a lot of people's lives in jeopardy so we're walking on thin ice literally we have two world powers and two countries with a lot of resources and a lot of money and a lot of military power like whoa you know what are we going to do so we're walking on thin ice so People got to put that in perspective. Unfortunately, it's a wartime thing, and you feel bad for Brittany Griner personally. But in the bigger scope of things, no, like Defense Secretary or President Biden or Vice President Kamala Harris is going to be like, "Oh yeah, let's just go get her." To, like, it's not possible. Yeah, you know, and, and I think too the other unfortunate part about it. Yeah. Um, which, you know, as I've been doing just my own research is, you know, the Russians have other U.S. people that they have sure. detained. You know, yeah. unfortunately, those people have been there for, you know, longer periods of time. And, you know, they've been convicted of certain crimes. And obviously, you don't really know the situation. Um, but, you know, uh, you, I see commentary and stuff about people saying, you know, how the government, you know, has stepped up to intervene. But it's like, would they have intervened if she wasn't Brittany Griner? Or, you know, are they just feeling pressure to intervene because people have come out and said, hey, well, what if this was LeBron James? What if this was Stephen Curry? So. Yeah. You know, you always have to look at things that are broader scope. Um, but I am happy that they came out and said that she was wrongfully detained. And there and there could be other people that are wrongfully detained as, as well. And, you know, it 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 is the United States job to, to always try to look out for, you know, its citizens. So sure. um, it, it's, it's very tough. You know, I actually spent some time with the Phoenix Mercury. Um, so I do know Brittany. Um, okay. We are uh, social media friends. You know, when I see her, sure. it, it's all love. So, you know, it's devastating when you know, you have a personal relationship with somebody. So I'm not yeah. by any means saying that me and Brittany are great friends or whatever, but, but I know her, I'm in the basketball community, yeah. you know? Sure. So, so that's why to me it's hurtful because yeah. if you know her and you know, you know, just the type of person that she is and stuff like that, um, you know, it, it's sad, it's devastating. So I think everybody is, is feeling that in the basketball community and rightfully so. And, and you touched on, her wife not be able to communicate with her. They actually had um, a call that was actually supposed to be set up, I believe like two weeks ago with, sure. uh, with the U.S. Embassy. So they can finally, you know, reach out. It was going to be their anniversary. Um, you know, they've been together for a long time, but um, some type of anniversary, they were supposed to, you know, be able to reach out and speak with each other. And the U.S. Embassy dropped the ball. Um, they weren't, you know, prepared to, to get the call through. Yeah. And her wife was really upset. 
um, and rightfully so, they weren't able to, to be in touch. So, you know, it, I can't imagine just, you know, yeah. not being able to speak to my mom or a loved one or yeah. just somebody that you're close to. And then you sure. worry about them every day. Like, you know, the, the, the best thing that I took from, from, you know, actually seeing Brittany on social media uh, yesterday was that she seems to, to look okay. Like she hasn't been physically yeah. harmed. Obviously, sure. I don't know what she's going through mentally, but, you yeah. know, she seems like she hasn't been abused um, physically at least. And, and, you know, I take, you know, a little bit of solace in that, but it, sure. it, it's really just a tough situation all around. Yeah. And to follow up on your comments with that, especially as you said, related to somebody, you know, or a loved one, uh, I think in a lot of social aspects, we have a lot of great uh, people or advocates and they point things out mm-hmm. or they, they get behind somebody. Yeah. Brittany needs a support and needs people to keep bringing it up. But what we don't have, just like in a lot of other incidents, is good solutions. We have good uh, shout outs and good uh, people that advocate for the situation to point it out that, hey, this is wrong or this is bad. But the solutions are not there. So that it just keeps saying, hey, Brittany needs to be freed now. Brittany needs to. Yeah, this is wrong. We know that. We know. No, we all know absolutely. That. absolutely. Every guy, every, every guy and girl knows that. But like the, the, the solutions are not there. So hopefully some solutions come because if you look at it, look at it from a Vladimir Putin's point of view, like you mentioned, a loved one. So uh, Vladimir Putin was maybe my age in his 40s at the time, maybe, you know, around there, late 30s, 40s, maybe going into his 50s when. Russia was broke and the Cold War ended and Russia was desolate, which was basically 30, 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. So the man is 70 or whatnot. So if you look at it from that angle, who's he going to blame? Who, who does he blame when he saw his parents and other people mm-hmm. around him broke, uh, you know, not in a good spot? Uh, the Cold War ended. Russia was desolate. He's most of those people blame the West and America. So they're, they, he's not going to give no. Now that he's an older man and he's looking back that he's not going to give us no slack for that. Brittany's, oh, Brittany's just a, something that he can use like to, to remember that, hey, this is never going to happen again as long as I live. That's what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. Now, he may be older. He may be maybe he's a little off. You, you never know what his but his motivation is Russia's never going to be in that spot again as long right. as I live. So that's an unfortunate thing that happened. But speaking of the let's change subject. Speaking of the, the, the Mercury and speaking of the WNBA, uh, Chelsea, give us a W update. What's happening with the Mercury? They have a lot going on because they're worried about their friend and their teammate, but they've also had some on-court things happen. What they were supposed to be one of the contenders. What's going on with with Phoenix? Well, they had a huge shocker, um, you know, a couple of days ago when Tina Charles and the team decided to part ways. Uh, Tina Charles, you know, obviously top tier player in this league, um, multi-time All Star, uh, just incredible player. But, you know, I'm not saying that this is okay. So I'm going to give my my perspective on both. Sure. The fact of the matter is Tina has been in the league for a long time. She was looking for the opportunity to be on a contending team. She doesn't have a championship. She's one of the few okay. greats, um, yeah. you know, that are still playing at this point that doesn't have a championship. So she took a massive pay cut. Um, I think she originally signed with Phoenix for maybe like 125 which is probably like $100,000 short of a max contract, which she would, you know, demand from pretty much any team and rightfully so. So she takes this pay cut. This is obviously, you know, at the end of last season and, you know, she commits to the Phoenix Mercury. Everybody's assuming Brittany's going to be there. You know, they think that they have some, you know, title containing team. They ended up taking diamond to shields from 
uh, the Chicago Sky. So, you know, a really, really nice looking roster on paper. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is that Brittany has not been with the team. Um, so besides that weighing heavy on the franchise, um, yeah. you know, they haven't been as successful because they've been missing pieces. So gotcha. I look at it as they didn't really, you know, get off to a hot start. Um, Tina felt like she, although she was a newcomer to the team, that she should be the focal point, um, being right. that Brittany Griner is absent. Like, you know, she's thinking, OK, Brittany's not here, so it's my show then. You know, but yeah. you know she's also playing against Diana or playing with Diana Taurasi, who has a very strong personality. Um, oh, Skylar yeah. Diggins as well. We've seen you know um, games where the two of them kind of went at it, um, and I think that things up until this point at the midseason deadline just haven't went as planned. And gotcha. I'm not saying that you should up and quit, you know, on your team uh, because you know you 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 signed up for it, so you should just ride it out. So I 100% under, understand that, but I also understand the fact that I'm a max player and I didn't sign up for this BS. And right now we are, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think they're six and 12 on the season. So, you know, several games under 500, you know, maybe, maybe not going to make the playoffs and I'm making a hundred thousand dollars less than what I'm used to making. Like oh, no. yeah, that's, a, that's a tough situation. So, so like you said, was it also too, where there wasn't meshing like with their record wise, and then maybe they have a new coach, Vanessa Nygaard. Right. And uh, maybe that's, that is not meshing with those three star players or star, star personalities. If you include Skyler Diggins and it's just, we're not working out or yeah, just no, didn't I definitely, I, I yeah. definitely agree with that. But I also just think sometimes too, like, you know, yeah, they do have a new coach, but we've seen teams get new coaches and have success. Like look at the aces right now, their first place in the league. But gotcha. I just think Brittany is the focal point of their team. Uh, you know, Diana yeah. Taurasi legend go in her own right. Fine. Skylar Diggins, you know, top guard in the league, Tina Charles, top post player in the league, but nobody has a Britney. Like yeah. Britney's yeah. the one. So yeah. she's a huge piece and missing yeah. her just changes the dynamic of any team. If you built your yeah. team around her. And sure. I think that's just kind of how it is. So now people yeah. are thinking, Hey, you know, Britney's not here. Maybe I have a little bigger role than I, you know, or I deserve a bigger role than I'm used to. Sure. And it, you know, that's just how chemistry from the inside out could kind of, you know, get shaken up. Gotcha. So, who is so far been like a surprise team? Now, obviously, they're surprised on the negative side. People be like, is there a surprise team out there? Or is obviously the Aces were one of the favorites coming into the season? Or, you know, just give us a quick highline of which team is maybe uh, exceeding the expectation or a player that's exceeding expectations as well. Uh, well, you know, Aces are at the top of the league right now. I believe sure. they have three losses. Um, gotcha. So they're sitting at number one. And, you know, I. The Aces have been good for the last several yeah. years. They made it to the semifinals. They didn't win the championship, but they've always been in the mix. I don't think anybody expected their offense to look as polished and sharp uh, just with the addition of Becky Hammond. Coming in, yeah. she's definitely changed, you know, how they do things, and, and it shows. Uh, everybody's playing with a lot of confidence. Kelsey Plum looks spectacular. Uh, they just yeah. released the all-star uh, list and you know the aces have multiple all-stars they have jackie kelsey and asia all starting in the game and then they have dr Hamby wow. coming off the bench exactly so you know they have four of their their yeah. five um starters uh make an all-star appearance and three of them wow. are starting so i think their offense is tremendous uh they deserve to be at the top of the league rightfully so i do have some question marks about them um, honestly you know the games are super high scoring they have a lot of firepower but they have no bench Everybody's oh. playing super heavy minutes. And I just feel like it, when they run into teams that can score with them, um, then their defense isn't that good to withstand it. Like their basic strategy is kind of like, we're going to outscore you. 
And, yeah. but on the days that they don't, then they can be beat. Like the game I went to about a week ago, they played Chicago and had Chicago down 25 points in the first quarter and lost. So, oh boy. so take that, take us to that to the people who spend more, most of our listeners who spend more time on the, uh, the, the men's side and the boys' side, like in the W playoffs, do the do the possessions shorten a bit? Do the scoring go down? Obviously, the defense is a little more intense. That's obvious, like any playoff basketball. But does it change kind of like the NBA, or, or no? Does it does the does the percentages of shooting and the percentages of team scoring stay about the same, or do you think it tightens up just like the NBA? No, I think it definitely tightens up. I mean, you know, the scouting report you've played this team most of the time, yeah. multiple times. Um, you know, everybody's playing with more intensity. Uh, sure. Obviously, the scores are are dropped tremendously. Like the Aces right now are averaging, I think, like eighty five points a wow. night. So that's really high scoring. The game that I went to in Chicago, when I said Chicago was down twenty five and came back, that game was like one hundred four to ninety something. So you know that's not really super typical of women. You know, women's scores are usually significantly lower than that. Um, so I just that's why I think in the playoffs it's just going to be different. And you know, the Aces, although they have a new coach, have a history of being one of the best teams all regular season and then going to the playoffs and not being able to finish the job. So um, you see the aces at the top, but then you have the Connecticut sun, I believe at number two, um, you know, then you have a, a couple other teams that are just right in the mix as well. Uh, Seattle, Chicago, um, you know, and Seattle, speaking of Tina Charles just signed her. So now they've strengthened their roster. They stole Tina Charles from Phoenix um, and they're going to be in the mix as well. So um, it, it's, it's definitely been a great season so far. We're just about at the midpoint of the season. Um, but I'm kind of excited to see what happens. I think, you know, the second half, you could see a couple sleeper teams get in. You know, Dallas is super competitive. Um, so I think there'll be some surprises. We'll see what happens. Gotcha. Makes sense. As we move on, we're going to switch gears here. I wanted to mention, like we said, we talked about the people who listen. We, we have a new um, line dropping in the shop ballslife.com uh you know that you can get gear we have a new 96 collection it's called it's features a new t-shirt new basketball shorts along with the matching snapback hat uh check it out at ball like i said check it out at shop.ballislife.com and you can use a one-time uh code to get 20 percent off that first purchase and free shipping it's in the paint so it's i-n-t-h-e-p-a-i-n-t once again it's just like our the name of our podcast I-N-T-H-E-P-A-I-N-T. Like I said, we have some new collection. The guys, Darren and all of them, they always do a good job putting out new things. So we appreciate the people who support that. Uh, switching gears, let's talk about USA Basketball, Chelsea, uh, a little bit. The 17 and under team, uh, the tryout went, and the team was announced. They'll start playing in Malaga, Spain, July 2nd no, for the 17 under World Cup. Uh, the roster came out, you know, what do you think of the roster? And uh, I'll give a little more insight, but you know, what do you think about that? And the, you know, just what do you think about young guys getting the chance to really play all over the country? Again, we've had some guests who've talked about that. Um, and whether they've been to Mexico, whether they've been to Europe, whether they've been to the middle East, even and South America, you know, talk a little bit about that. And then we'll talk about the team. Yeah, well, first off, I have to give a shout out to my guy, Ian Jackson, that we had on the pod, um, you know, about a month or so. I'm super excited for him to make the team. But, you know, sure. this is a very quick turnaround. You know, you were just down there for tryouts. And obviously, yeah. July 2nd is what this weekend. So they should yeah. be either on their way to Spain or 
there as we speak. But, you know, I just love the opportunity for young kids. Um, another guy that I recently have been following a little bit because he kind of blew up on the scene is Des Dennis Evans. Yeah. Um, guess he was a sleeper. You know, a lot of, you know, schools were interested in him. Center, 7'1", 210 pounds, long, lanky, athletic. Uh, but yeah. he's kind of blown up. So, you know, I've been following just some of these players and I'm excited to see how they do in Spain um, in the World Cup. Yeah. You know, Dennis is a guy I've seen multiple, multiple times. So, uh, you know, you so can't what's, miss him what's again. His story, though, like I, I really <laughs> just heard about him maybe like a month ago. So, he's seven one, so you can't miss him. He has goggles. He, 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 you know, so he has these big goggles. So you, and he's left-handed, and he is, you know, he's really long, and you, he's kind of, you look at him, you're like, well, how good is he? And you notice when you see him that his best days are ahead. He plays for Team Inland, which is a independent team. He's played here in Vegas multiple times. Wow. He plays with his high school team, um, Hillcrest of Riverside in the Inland Empire. And he plays for Team Inland, which is Kool-Aid has played for. Uh, Kool-Aid runs the, the team he's running for 30 years. And Kool-Aid is kind of a guy, Albert Kool-Aid Perry, who's kind of takes the underdog guys. He kind of takes the guys who uh, are not the glamour guys who are going to play on big circuit teams, but he wins with them. And he's had multiple polls for a long time. And most of his come, kids come from San Bernardino, Riverside area. You know, they, 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 um, they're, they're definitely not kids who come with a silver spoon in their mouth. You know, mm -hmm. he, he gets kids that he's tough on them. Uh, he's been around the block. And, and when Dennis first came on, he wasn't that good at about a year and a half ago. You know, it was, wow. he's improved his, his running, his conditioning. And now when you have a left-hand guy who can hit a shot, uh, face up now and move well, just his moving well enough is enough. And mm -hmm. the shot blocking. Yeah. So he went to the USA uh camps a few times got cut but this time as he keeps improving like he like you said blew up now everybody around the country i had a um uh, a national journalist ask me like can you give me his number like what team is he playing for i'm like oh he plays for team inland and then, like some of the guys you know and and knowing basketball that went to san diego state or around there they they played for team inland so like oh, they're man. kind of gritty guys that are like Maybe not top top 100 or top 50 guys, but they're like get D1 scholarships, and he's put a lot of the guys out there. And like I said, he's had multiple pros over the last 30 years, and maybe Dennis is the next one. But for Dennis to make USA basketball like that opens people's eyes because he went down to um, earlier in the spring, he went down to Texas, and then a, a lot of scouts saw him outside of the West Coast, and they were like, wow, we can't believe how good this guy is or how good of a prospect he is. And now some people think he's like a top 30 prospect, which is just like pretty amazing and nuts. Okay, and it goes so back I want to put you on the spot really quick. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. But so what's his player comparison then? I mean, I've only seen highlights of this kid. I've never seen him in person. I'm going to put you on the spot. If you had to just yeah. pick one NBA player right now that he just reminds you of or a hybrid, maybe you mix yeah. two players together, who would it be? Ooh, an NBA player that reminds me of. Because he's going to the NBA at this point. He's made USA. He's blowing <laughs> up. So. I try to think maybe like a left-handed JaVale McGee, who could just block mm -hmm. shots and run. Um, you know, he's got to improve, continuously improve his, like, getting from one end of the court to the other. So, you know, maybe like a guy like, ooh, that's just big and can keep the guy in, in Gobert a little bit, you know. Okay. But, again, that's on a high end. Yeah. I compare him to an old player who used to play at UNLV. Um, that's who you'd want him to be like a left-hander Keon Clark who did play in the NBA, okay. but he only played in the NBA for like five years, really long, like 
super long, even at like a long wingspan for seven one. Because if you're seven one, you figure you already have a big wingspan, you know? Right. So like he was left handed too, super athletic, and that's who I would want Devin Dennis to. Uh, he went junior college and he played at UNLV in the late nineties and he played in the NBA. That's why I'd want Dennis to like develop into. So he has to keep improving his, his um, conditioning and getting from foul line to foul line or baseline to baseline, basically. So, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe you, you, Chelsea, you watch game in the game or maybe there's a guy that you can, that's out there. That's a reserve or that's a backup center that you, that you know of that is like that. I mean, is there anybody like, again, there's not a lot of traditional centers. This guy's traditional. I know. I need to see more of him. Like I said, I've only seen highlights. I've heard yeah. a couple of people that I know in my circle that just kind of rave about him as sure. just a late bloomer and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't want to give sure. my best assessment because I just haven't yeah. seen enough of him. But I've heard his name a lot like recently. So he's definitely buzzing. Um, that's so exciting, you know, just to have an underdog story. And, you know, to make USA and stuff is incredible because it's already so political. And I mean, just yeah. being honest, we know how it is. So yeah. for somebody to just be a late bloomer and not be good, like you said, a year and a half ago yeah. and kind of just shoot up on the scene and to make that roster, you know, is incredible. So, you know, and speaking of USA, um, you know, the USA under 18 won the FIBA Americas, uh, the title earlier this month, uh, Villanova bound Cam Whitmore and Mark Armstrong were the stands out, standouts in Tijuana, Mexico. And, and you were there. So, you know, uh, what, what what did you see? What was your take? Um, did you enjoy it? Talk to me about it. Yeah, you know, the USA 18 and under team was obviously a little bit older, a little more experienced. They had uh, guys going into college, just a little bit different group than the 17 that's going to Spain. And, yeah, Cam Whitmore, I mean, I know these draft boards. Well, let's talk about the draft boards. They're all wrong. They were all wrong this year. So, again, but I think he should be near the top of next year's, obviously, mm -hmm. Uh you know, Victor, big Victor from France is going to be at the top of it with Scoot Henderson. But Hamilton shouldn't be too far below like that group, like okay. seven, five, wherever he may land. Like he was the most impressive player there. He's going to Villanova and, and Mark Armstrong. And, and I saw them against Mexico. And um, that was the quarterfinal game. And, and, and what I saw was that the other teams need a lot of work. You know, they mm -hmm. need a lot of work to catch up to this USA team. Yeah, it's similar to like what we talk about in the draft when we have guys that walk into a room or like you mentioned, have the confidence and know that they're good and know mm -hmm. that they're going to get it done versus guys that are hoping to get it done. You yeah. know, like so uh, Mexico had one prospect that I thought was a, a good, pretty D2 player, maybe low D1 guard. Uh, Argentina had a couple guys. Uh, Ecuador. It definitely needs work. Some of the South American countries need need work, but Argentina has some good length and some good some good guys. Um, USA obviously is far ahead at that stage, and um, you know even the the beginning, you, Mexico game a, a a good game. Then the, the the talent level just took over. Mark Armstrong had a really good uh, game in that quarterfinal game and kind of took him over the hump. And when I saw the other teams play each other, I was like, USA is going to roll to this, which they did. You know, so I think USA, like you said, it's a good experience, but they still get more value out of inter-scrimmaging each other and even a second or third USA team, you know, the, yeah. during the trial when there's 30 guys there. They and that's kind of one I the question I was going to ask you because, you know, yeah. it, it used to be a trend of the past. Yeah. To see, you know, our USA team on the Olympic stage, you know, we used to just whoop everybody. Like, you know, sure. women have won gold a million times or whatever. But yeah. as you watch the last couple of Olympics, like the games have been significantly more competitive. Sure. Games where, you know, 
our team could have lost on the men's side or the women's yeah. side. So it's just interesting you see that basically what you're saying is that there's still that discrepancy, though, you know, with the under 17s, the under 18s, where we're just miles and miles ahead. Um, yeah. You know, but obviously as we get to the top teams and a lot of these, you know, Olympic players play in the NBA or play in the WNBA. Yeah. So, you know, to them, it's just another game against another um, opponent. So it's kind of really about that. So they pull, they obviously the other countries are going to pull their best guys and they're going to play in like a Euro League or they're going to come to the an American college. Like University of Arizona is getting a lot of good guys. And obviously Gonzaga's got some uh, European guys that have, have done really well. So they, they get picked off, but overall the depth is still coming from the American grassroots and very, you know, travel teams and, and, and good high school teams. So, yeah. yeah, shout out to the guys who made that team. Uh, David Castillo, your your guy Dennis Evans, uh, David's from Oklahoma. Jeremy Fears from Lalamir, Cooper Flag, who's now Montverde. He may be one of the. He's a two twenty five, and there's only two of them. Koa Pete from Perry in Arizona, who uh, our guest in the on the show draft show, Dalen Terry kind of shot it out. You know, he went to school with his sister, and she. He's a top one of the two or three top two twenty fives, along with Cooper Flag. Nice. And and Caden Boozer, so he's on the team. Us and Noel, uh, Carter Knox, your guy Ian Jackson, uh, Sean Stewart, and Dewan Wagner Jr., who kind of leads the pack as the people Very think good. the top guy mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. in that two twenty three class. So that that the the team has um, some younger guys and uh, mostly two twenty fours, two twenty threes, and like I said, a couple two twenty five. So what I did also notice is that. Like you said, when it's your approach to the game, I think still like we like when we when I was a younger and you were, you, you know, and, and you were just a, a kid and probably learning about the dream team or even the women's dream team in 96. The first, you know, the team that kind of put the girls uh, USA team on the map. I think for the younger people, uh, they're still kind of like, oh, my God, we're playing the USA. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like the dream team was when when mm -hmm. they had Jordan and, and Barkley and those guys. And probably the 96 with the women's team that there was a great team with, you know, uh, Lisa Leslie, Cheryl Swoops, Cynthia Cooper, that group, Don Staley. But that the younger that's what the younger countries need to learn. They, they need to keep uh, playing the game and their approach to the game. They, 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 they still in all they want to be friend and figure mm -hmm. out the American way, but they got to figure out their own way. Yeah. You know, like mm -hmm. I, we've arrived. We, we can play here because it's kind of like. Oh, we're taking on the big bad giant, and then the game starts off a lot of activities, but then then you realize the talent level and like reality kicks in. Mm -hmm. So they they still keep to work on that. I did notice at the event in Tijuana that they were um, there was a tournament going on, like I guess like a grassroots or AU tournament. So that was awesome to see. Like the kids nice. love it. Obviously, soccer is huge in Mexico mm -hmm. as it is in the rest of the world, but you can see more kids love basketball. They are learning the game. They're excited. Their parents are enthused. You know, when I was a kid, there was probably no parents and no people 40 years old that really cared or knew about basketball when I would go to Mexico when I was a kid. But now when you look at play, people who are my age or even your age or between my and your age, their kids love basketball and they know something about it. It's not just like foreign. So that's yeah. good. In 20 years from now, they're going to be a lot better. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they keep sure. that gap and the world gets better and there and it just makes the draft better and makes the NBA better. So that was good to see. I was pleasantly surprised to see USA basketball or the local uh Zonkeys arena, the people that are involved locally 
for Mexico basketball put that on. So that was that was cool. It was different age groups, girls, boys. They were playing. They they were so happy to be there. Uh, and they did come in and watch Mexico play the USA like after their games were over. They were all happy. Nice. So that was good. good. To see. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, speaking of, let's move on to the draft a little bit. Um, I kind of just want to hear your thoughts. You know, we spoke a lot about it on the draft show, but um, now that it's finally over, uh, we can kind of evaluate the entire draft. You know, our show kind of only went through the first, you know, eight picks of the lottery or so. Uh, sure. You know, let's talk winners, losers. Let's talk your initial reaction. Um, what yeah. were your thoughts now that the 2022 draft is complete? Yeah, my thoughts overall were that uh, I think there is going to be some good players down the line. Do we know? Maybe we can make a prediction who a few of those will be. I do think the top three guys will be solid to good NBA All Star type mm -hmm. players. And you know, I noticed that in the hoopla of Paolo Banchero going to the Magic and that obviously dropping Jabari Smith and seeing what the the Thunder were going to do. We, we didn't really talk about Chet Holmgren much, mm -hmm. you know, during the, the show. We, we mentioned him, obviously, but, you know, he went to the Thunder and stayed there. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if you think the Thunder uh, did overall good in the draft. They obviously have assets. They they uh, But I think they got an NBA All-Star and, and a guy who's going to be good down the line. Now, will he have the impact of Jabari or Paolo from the first day of training camp? Maybe not. But I, I thought that he he did really well. And I know that uh, he did really well. Like, nothing changed with him. Like, you know, okay, Gonzaga didn't make the Final Four. They didn't win the championship. But, like, I don't think that changes him as a unique prospect. You know, what do you think about Chet and then the Thunder getting him? And what did you think about Orlando kind of, you know, maybe they didn't flip the script. Maybe they, they were playing possum with the media and people. But. They, they picked a guy that they really didn't work out. So wh what did you think about that? And then what do you think about Chet? Well, as far as Orlando, I wasn't surprised. Um, you look at Paolo, you know, it, it really could have went either way. We talked a little bit on the draft show about this wasn't one of these drafts for me, at least, and for most yeah. people, where there was just a definitive number one pick. In 2003, we're taking LeBron James. Doesn't matter who has the pick, what's the circumstances, what's the situation, he's going to be the pick. So I think even the couple of days leading up to the draft, I was hearing Jabari or Paolo or Jabari or Paolo. So, you know, it, it didn't shock me at all. Um, I think that they got a guy that they can plug in immediately. Uh, their team desperately, desperately, desperately needs scoring. Um, I think I said this at the draft show, like the Orlando Magic is one of – yeah. The, the one of the only NBA teams that didn't have a player that averaged more than 17 points. So I can see Paolo coming in right away. Um, I am going to go ahead and dub him the favorite for rookie of the year, because I think that they're going to demand him to do more just in, in yeah. Orlando. Like when I look at, you know, um, OKC, they have shy, they have, you know, giddy, they have some really, really talented guards that they're going to put around Chet. Yeah. Who's going to give him a little, they just take a little bit of the pressure off. I think Chet um, ultimately – I actually was kind of surprised that OKC took him. I thought for sure Jabari would go then. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's just you look at what's the best piece for you in the end game. Like sure. if, if we're totally honest about Orlando or Houston or OKC, like none of those guys are really prepared to contend at this point in time. Sure. None of those picks would have – been such a game changer that okay our team's gonna go from not into the playoffs to the playing game or not into right. you know maybe a five seed I don't think any of them make that much of a difference so if you know they felt that Chet was a better 
fit for them long-term or just a better piece in terms of what they're trying to build for something long-term, then, then I think that's great. Um, the player comparison that I gave for Chet was Porzingis. Um, you know, just same body type to me, um, sure. same style of play, uh, can shoot the long ball, long, athletic. Uh, what I will say about Chet is I feel like he's a little bit more mobile. Um, I feel like he's more active defensively. Um, I think he's going to be a good help side defender in this league. Uh, but what I do wonder about is his size. Um, when I look at Porzingis, he, he, they have the same frame, but Porzingis has a little bit broader shoulders. It looks like he has the ability to put on weight. And when yeah. I look at Chet, you know, he's kind of kind of built like a, like a wire hanger. Like, <laughs> I, don't really see, I don't really see his ability to get bigger. So I'm excited to see the transformation. But also, I hope that it doesn't hinder his game. You know, sometimes you put on too much weight and you start to play different. Sure. Um, but, you know, all jokes aside, I think he's an incredible talent. I, I don't think that, you know, OKC was wrong for picking him. Um, you have him to go along with Shy, who is one of my favorite players to watch, and then Giddy, too. So um, I think, you know, they're going to be fine. Like, all, all yeah. of the teams, as I said, I don't see anybody being a contender at this point, especially in the West. Like, it's just extremely difficult. You know, teams are loading yeah. up. People coming back from injury, you know, we'll probably talk Clippers a little bit later. Um, I just don't see it. But but I do speak to your point of just Paolo, Chet, Jabari, just being very, very uh, solid NBA players, probably future all-stars. Um, and they're going to have long tenures in the league and, and, and help a team win games for sure. So, yeah. Our, our guy, Ani, uh, compared uh, Chet to another number two pick, Marcus Camby. And, you know, Marcus had a good card out, a good career. I think we talked a little bit about that during the show. And, you know, when you look at Porzingis' highlights, what we just looked at, and we'll, we'll, we'll look at Marcus Camby, Marcus is probably a little more dynamic. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know, people always say, oh, Marcus is okay. Um, again, as we're showing the highlights here, if you're listening to it, you could watch the YouTube version. But, you know, at the end of the day, he he really produced and on some good teams and made a difference for the Knicks for a while. And he also helped Denver be contenders later in his career. And, and he's just a little more dynamic than Porzingis. Uh, again, Chet, that shot blocking is what they want Chet to bring to the table. And, you know, if he's as good as Cammy, that I, I think that would be okay. People might say that, oh, that's, that's you know, his Oklahoma won't be uh, satisfied with that. But if you look at it, and he's pretty good for 12 to 14 years, if he stays there, that would be good. I mean, um, <laughs> what is okay? Like having a long NBA tenure is more than okay. Like yeah. everybody is not going to be a star. Everybody can't sure. be LeBron and KD. So, you know, if, if he does that, then I think that's absolutely fantastic. I don't sure. know what the average, you know, NBA life is, but I'm sure it, Marcus can be yeah. exceeded that. I'm looking at some of his career accomplishments. Defensive player of the year, two-time first team all defense two-time second-team all-defense, four-times NBA block leader. So I think if Chet finishes that with that career and nothing else, then he was a success. Correct. And that's like number two pick to number two pick. So my comparison was to a number one pick and a, an older comparison. And you see the highest. This is what they want Chet to be. It's Ralph Sampson. So we talk, people talk about a unicorn, a guy who could handle the ball, dribble the ball. I, I don't know if the NBA was completely ready for that, but like Ralph, <laughs> Ralph was uh, a once-in-a-decade type prospect coming out. Um, yeah. Came out of the University of Virginia. Uh, he's a little taller than uh, Chet, 
probably even move just as well or better. I mean, his highlights are just incredible. That's what they want you to do. He said round the back, you know, finishing, back to the basket, also dribbling. And he would have been the number one pick all four years of him uh, when he was at the University of Virginia. He would have been the number one pick in any of those years. So he had been the number one pick over Joe Baker. He'd have been the number one pick over Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. He'd have been the number one pick over James Worthy. Then he was finally the number one pick. And obviously that's a different time, but that would be the high end before his injuries. Like if, if Chet can develop into that, then that's putting a team, the Houston Rockets, then who went pick number one back to back to NBA finals two years later. So that would be on the high end. You know, again, that's the real high end because the Rockets picked dream and, and, and Ralph, and then two two years later, we're in the NBA Finals. So that 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 would be what Oklahoma would want. But again, they have to have the pieces around them. They had Mitchell Wiggins, they had John, John Lucas, they had other pieces. So you know, they went up against a great Boston team. They lost, but and then Ralph had injuries, and it kind of curtailed his career pretty fast. But if you when you see those highlights, you see how good he was at a young age. Yeah, but early Ralph too, before the injuries, like you talked about, was an incredible athlete. Like yeah. Chet's not going to be a supreme athlete in this league. He right. can be athletic, and I think yeah. he's more mobile. And you know, but it's like yeah. okay, Giannis is down there. You know, there's some people down there that are really big and really strong and really good. Sure. So yeah. I don't want to downplay him and say that he can't be successful. But some of the stuff that Ralph was doing is just like there was nobody for that. Now there's going no. to be somebody who's going yeah. to be able to push Chet around a little bit. You know, sure. so I I, I just. I think it's a good comparison in terms of skill set and what probably, yeah. like you said, what OKC would uh, dream uh, he could be. <laughs> You're thinking but, it's uh, far fetched. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. It's high end, like the ceiling. Yeah, for sure. You're you're yeah. thinking it's the ceiling, and and hopefully they they reach that. But let's talk about some of the the other picks. Um, go down the line, Chelsea. What what's the picks that? What's the next pick that surprised you? Surprised me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, surprise based off of just the media, everybody had Jaden Ivey going fourth, which honestly, I don't want to say that surprised me because I felt like Sacramento didn't have a need for him. You know, like, you know, they're heavy in the backcourt. So, you know, everybody just thought, who cares? He's the best available. They're going to take him. Um, you know, yeah. but they ended up taking what was it, Keegan, Keegan Murray, right? Murray. Uh, right. which I think was a much better fit for them. But uh the pick that I really enjoyed, let's see. Um, okay, let's let's talk Houston a little bit. So, okay. you know, they got Terry Easton at 17 and they right. got Ty Ty Washington, who I'm a huge fan of at 29. Um, I think that they were certainly winners um right. of this draft class. They got pieces that, that they can build with, and, and that's what they're doing. You know, new coach, um Jalen Green, who's exceptional. They have a lot, a lot, a lot of talented guards. Um, sure. you know. Uh, Josh Christopher, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., okay. like they have great people. So I just, you know, I, I like what they're doing. I like that they got Jabari Smith, who I feel like is the best case scenario for them, kind of fell into their lap. Um, right. But he's going to just be exceptional because they need size. They got rid of Christian Wood, so they're going to have him, but they have dynamic guards, so it's not going to – that's what I spoke a little bit about pressure with Paolo. He's going to yeah. have more of a load. You know, Jabari yeah. Smith is going to be able to feel it out and – um, you know, he's going to be able to have a little bit more time to, you know, kind of yeah. figure things out when he takes that jump. But I really like the Ty Ty Washington pick. Um, I yeah. think he's a sleeper. Um, I think that he is the type of guard that every team needs because you need somebody, like I spoke about in the draft show, that can just set the table for you. 
And, and, and I like guys who can play make, you know, get everybody set up, but they can get their own too. Um, you know, he's yeah. special. His in-between game is pretty special. Floater, mid-range. Um, he's not an incredible athlete, but he plays with incredible poise. Right. And, and that yeah. as a point guard is what I love to see. Um, so I think Houston uh, did an exceptional job. Uh, you know, they had a great, they had a good draft day. And, you know, yeah, it's too, is a great player. Um, so I, I just like what they're doing. I like what they're building over there. And they have a lot of youth and and youth is having success. And it takes a couple years, obviously. Like sure. none of those teams are contending, as we talked about. But you see it with the Cavs. They started a couple years back, haven't really had any success since, you know, LeBron left. But they got some young pieces and Darius Garland and, and people that they're building around. And now they're in the mix. Last year they were in the play-in. Maybe next year they'll be the seventh seed. Who knows? But it's just yeah. about a process and and building up. So uh, what about you, though? Who did you who did you like that or may have surprised you? Uh, what did you think was a good pick? Give me your opinion. Yeah. Um, as far as the pick, and then Houston was one of my draft winners as well. Obviously, getting Tari Easy, we didn't talk much about him. He's a good defender, mm-hmm. big, strong. He's he, he's going to help them. And then the trade to get Ty Ty. But the pick that I liked, and it, it, it seemed to uh, work out for – the Pelicans is Dyson Daniels. I thought that was a good, yeah, good move for them to get a, a change of pace guard, a guy who has some size, a guy who will fit in, a, a team that's already pretty good. So they 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 took him at number eight, and, and I just like what they did with that pick. Uh, I thought I thought he it's a little bit of a, a swing, you know, like if it hits. But I, I think there's a lot of that besides the, the uh, besides. The top three in, in Ivy at five, Keegan Murray's kind of a, hey, we're going to take a chance on this. Uh, sh- to me, Bennigan, Matherin, solid, and Shaden Sharp. But Daniels may hit and may do good. And for that team, the Pelicans are a lot better right now to me than the Blazers and the Pacers and the Pistons and the Kings. So they can afford to do that. You know, they 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 got some pieces there. They, they're in the hunt. They're a couple shots away from advancing in the playoffs, you know, mm-hmm. and they got a superstar in, in our guy who was on the Lakers uh, from North Carolina, who's a great player, you know. And mm-hmm. if Zion comes back and he's the player everybody thought he would, they, they and then you add that rookie who can handle the ball mm-hmm. and, and throw laws, you know, kind of build in slow, like they're going to have a good team. So I, I like that pick. Uh, the team that I, I thought – Juan, besides the Houston Rockets, I think me and you are in agreement with the Houston Rockets, was Detroit mm-hmm. to get Ivy. Uh, you know, I think that's a good fit with Kate Cunningham. He went obviously went five. And then they got Jalen Duran. The, the Hornets traded him. So the Hornets got him, you know, drafted him at at, uh, at 13, but then traded. Maybe they were already picking for him because they knew they were going to get Mark Williams at 15. Yeah. Obviously, the Hornets weren't going to get two big guys, so they, they they traded one of them away, and then they pick up uh, Kemba Walker, who I don't know, Chester, you you like Kemba Walker as a player? Again, he's aging, uh, you know, he's he's uh, getting up there. Obviously, Boston got rid of him before, but he can help. And I mean, if he doesn't take up a big salary, he 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 can help that team again. So you got Cade Cunningham, who you're building around Ivy, who's a nice change of pace. Cade Cunningham is a big guard who's strong. And then you got the guy who, who can, you know, push it up, push tempo and, and chases the ball in Ivy. And then you got a veteran in Kemba Walker, whether, you know, whether they keep him, how they use them. I, I thought Detroit did well. 
Yeah, I, I ultimately don't think Kimba's going to stay. I mean, I've heard that they're going to try to negotiate some buyouts. Yeah. But, you know, I just totally agree with, you know, your assessment of their picks and the direction that they're going. Um, Jaden Ivey is also was one of my favorite players in the draft. Just sure. a dynamic, you know, shot maker, playmaker. He's going to look great alongside Kate Cunningham. He's going to make his job a lot easier, take a little bit pressure off. So um, I yeah. think we definitely feel the need with him. Um, I would like to actually see them keep Kimba, though. I think every team could benefit from just having some veteran leadership, somebody that can, you know, um, just set an example for the young guys, um, you know, and be there for them when, you know, right. and it, it's it's kind of rough when you're a team like that. You're towards the bottom. You lose games. Sometimes you lose focus and you're just kind of in situations that aren't that aren't always favorable. So, you know, to have a veteran guy like that in the locker room and just somebody that can kind of set an example as somebody who's been doing it for a long time. Um, I think you can certainly, you know, benefit from that. So I give Detroit a winning grade as well. And my last team that I really thought won that probably nobody thinks won and nobody really talks about, because just let's be honest, nobody really talks about the Spurs just in general. But sure. I have them as a winner. Um, they had three picks in the first round. Ninth pick was Sohan. Um, yeah. They had uh, Malachi. Okay. Yep, in the 20th, and then Blake Wesley in the 25th. And I just think all three of those players are developmental players, players sure. that, you know, may not just come in the league and hit the ground running. But I think they have incredible potential, and I just think what better organization to go to than the San Antonio Spurs who have just a pedigree and a history of developing players and making them good. So, yeah. you know, they have a good young core with a DeJounte Murray, um, recently, I've heard that he might be on the trade blog, might be on the move. Um, he likes yeah. to kind of be sarcastic, too, on Twitter and you know, <laughs> retweet, you know, certain things when he hears about it or, you know, yeah. the eyes or popcorn emoji, like what's going on. So I don't really know, you know, what his plans are, but he was an all star this year and San Antonio is not going to give him up for nothing. So I think that, right. you know, just having good young pieces, um, you can't go wrong there. So, you know, I think that they did, you know, overall pretty good. Like I said, early in the draft, anyway, you don't really have any teams that's, you know, going to make any crazy impact, super changes that may, you know, elevate their team from, you no. know, out of the lottery. But, right. um, but, but it was good. It was good. And, you know, just to your point about there's going to be a lot of formidable NBA players from this draft. Maybe yep. some that aren't super special, you know, and, and that's okay. Like I told you before, fitting in and having a long NBA tenure is absolutely incredible. And that is a success, you know, in itself. So no doubt. Um, my, my final winner when I wouldn't go with the team, but I'll just go with, and I'll lead into our next subject, which is the draft itself and the, and the selection process of uh, where they think guys are going to go. I, I just thought the state of Arizona uh, was a big winner. We talked mm -hmm. about Ty Ty. Our guest, Daylon Terry, went a little higher than I think people project. He shot up a lot the last week or two. He went 18 to the Chicago Bulls, which is a good fit for them. They got other guards. They can bring him along slow. You know, he, he'll play a little bit small for He defend any guard. Um, so they, they kind of looked at it as like, we're going to get our best character guy and the best guy that can help us down the line. And he's not even 20 years old. So he, he's from, um, Phoenix and Ty Ty's from Phoenix. So he went to Cesar Chavez and then he went to AZ Compass Prep and, and Dale and Terry went to Corona del Sol. Then he went to uh, Hillcrest. And then our guy, Jalen Williams, uh, Oklahoma city thunder mm -hmm. is from Santa Clara. He's another guy that shot up in the draft and he, he's from Perry, which is where Coa Co 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 Keith plays. And so, 
when I see that, I saw a lot of interaction between them. They were they were complimentary of each other. They were happy for each other. Uh, they know each other really well, even though Dalen wasn't in New New York with them. Uh, like they were, uh, uh, they were genuine in their happiness for each other. Other people are happy for them. The families are happy for each other because the state is growing. The state is mm -hmm. growing their uh, basketball pedigree. Be, uh, some of that has to do with COVID, and they were able to play, and that helped their development. It definitely helped Ty Ty Washington. You know that COVID hurt many guys. It actually helped Ty Ty Washington mm -hmm. get to where he's at now, which is in the NBA in a short amount of time. But those guys grew up together. Uh, they support each other. And they always have, uh, like Dalen mentioned in his interview, uh, when we go to L.A., guys think we're soft or they think we're, we're yeah. you know, we're kind of weak and we don't have, a, you know, they're going to beat our butts. But I, I don't think people are going to think that forever, like mm -hmm. if not already. Like there was a lot of little kids around town to look up to those guys. And obviously Dalen went to U of A. And U of A is a big winner, too. They had three guys drafted. You know, mm -hmm. Ben Matherin, who's, who's a Canadian who went through the Latin uh, – you know, he went like through the Latin uh, NBA Academy, mm -hmm. six to the Pacers. And they had Christian Coloco, who went 33 uh, to the Toronto Raptors. It's pretty funny because the Oklahoma City Thunder drafted two Jalen Williams and, and the one from Arkansas. And we were speaking of the one from Santa Clara. So, yeah. uh, you know, U of A, uh, Tommy Lloyd and the staff uh, is, were there at Daylin's party to support him. Uh, you know, so a lot of people from around town were there. And I just think kids are, are, are going to look up under those guys. Obviously, Dalen has a pretty good uh, magnetic personality. I think it's one of the reasons the Bulls like him and teams like him when they worked out. And, and Ty Ty's pretty personal. They're, they're active on social media. So I think overall the state of Arizona just won. Like if you're a 15-year-old kid, you're going to look up under those guys and be like, man, I would love to go U of A or I would love to be on a big stage and, and, and see my name in the, in the bright lights and get drafted. No, definitely. Um... Arizona did incredible. And just most of the guys that you mentioned with maybe the exception of Benedict, like you well, not the exception of Benedict because even to U of A, but like yeah. all those guys went through college and now we're just kind of at a different time where people are thinking, yeah. Hey, what's the best way to get to the NBA? You know, is yeah. it, is it G league? You know, is it, you know, you know, their ignite team, like, you know, people are trying yeah. to take all these different routes to try to fast track it there. But, you know, I, I think right now this was a, just a big year for, you know, NCAA. I know they're kind of, you know, down and out about the NIL situation. But, sure. you know, the kids that had the most success in the draft, you know, mostly went to school. So I just yeah. kind of wanted to get your opinion on what you thought about the G League Ignite team and just maybe other alternatives. Because you, you're basically shining light on Arizona for doing so successful. And all their kids mostly went the college route. You know, Ty right. Ty in Kentucky. Um, Arizona went yeah. the college route, found their way yeah. to the draft, multiple first round picks. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts on just the alternative ways to get there? You know, what did you think about the G League windfall kind of in this draft? Uh, give sure. me some insight on that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we obviously had uh, Jason Hart on the draft show and he's the coach, head coach, and he has a lot of experience. And obviously he's trying to put a positive light on it. And he, mm -hmm. he thinks – Jaden Hardy, people were going to regret not picking him as as where he was projected to go. But as a few hours went by, he probably even went a little lower than we thought on, on air when we were live mm -hmm. between me, you, and Ani. And, again, Michael Foster didn't get drafted. Mm -hmm. I think Dyson Daniels went where he, he went. 
So my overall take is it is you better. It's a little different than college because you can come back and come back that next year if you need to. Like Jalen was playing with house money uh, as an example, because he had the junior year of Arizona and even potentially the senior year to fall back on, improve Mm -hmm. his game if he needed to. It seems like the G League, you better hit and you better it better be that right fit for you. Or else it's going to be because it's kind of new. It's it's going to be mag, uh, the mag, you know, the magnifying glass is going to be on you because you're playing against pros, mm-hmm. and people are going to think, well, why did he go to the G League? See, it's going to raise eyebrows to people when I, I think we're still in that mode in, in society or in in our grassroots in American system. We're like, oh, why did Chelsea go to the G League? Something wrong? What what is missing? Is she don't have grades? Is is her family not have any money? Uh, is she money hungry? Mm-hmm. You know, that type of thing may come up. There's, there's question mark. More, it seems like there's more question marks. So if you don't hit, then that comes out even more. And you don't have that. I mean, where are you going to go from there? You're already a pro. You can't, you're not going to go backwards. See, that's the thing about being, a, you know, it's kind of like our parents told us when we were little, don't grow up so fast. Don't mm-hmm. grow up so fast. You know, when you, when you're a pro now, now you're, you're getting paid. Now, now, obviously, NIL, people are getting paid in college in a different type of form, but you're not, quote, unquote, getting paid. Right. When, when you're getting paid, people don't have sympathy for you. Mm-hmm. I think people still look at college players like, hey, you're developing. Go back. It's not a problem. So I think that's a lot of pressure. And I do think that Jalen Green the year before and to an extent, Jonathan Kaminga are special talents. And I, I'm not sure Jaden Hardy was that special talent. And Michael Foster, I know, wasn't because mm-hmm. I, I you know, and it's nothing against him. He's yeah. a good prospect, but he's not a special talent. So I think that you got to make sure that that is right for you. Yeah, I mean, definitely just th- with there being so many options, you're obviously going to see guys that are going to test the water and stuff. But, you know, I kind of agree with your point. I think this was a win for the NCAA because they're just going to kind of look at it as, you know, people and programs are going to have the ability to try to use Jaden as an example. And, you know, Jaden being a Vegas kid, I'm rooting for him. I do think that he went a lot um lower than we kind of expected um and I think he still has a good chance to be a great NBA player um you know I did hear just you know from people that know you know the situation and kind of know him that he didn't interview well um and I think that you know big picture there's a lot of stuff that goes into the business side of basketball and and I think when you take these alternative routes especially it's more business-like than ever before you can yeah. still have a little bit of amateurism as a collegiate player. You know, right. you get the benefit of the doubt. Hey, yeah. you know, Ronnie made a mistake, did this, yeah. did that, you know, but now Chelsea who plays in the G league, no, she's a grown woman. She, you know, decided yeah. to take, you know, so it, it's just the perspective of it. Yeah. And, sure. and, and I think, you know, coach um, made a great point just about, you know, the competition and stuff. I think that that's going to be what gets Jaden over the hump. Because he's been practicing against pros forever. And he's been practicing against pros since I've known him. And I've known him since he, you know, was here in Vegas in high school, seeing him at all the open runs with the collegiate guys and the professional guys. And he was fitting right in. So obviously that's not organized basketball. um, But but I'm really hoping that he can lean on those experiences to kind of, you know, prove people wrong. I, I yeah. never root for for any kid, you know, not to have okay. great success. Yeah. And and I think it's a little bit unfortunate and a little bit unfair um, that he's in the situation that he's in. But now it is what it is. All he can do sure. is make the most of it. And, you know, there's going to be people that are going to want to use him as an example. But at the end of the day, no no two journeys are the same. So yeah. I can say, hey, well, you know, look what happened to Jaden. But then I can say, hey, look what happened to Dyson. 
you know, yeah. like it, it goes both ways. So I just yeah. look at it from that perspective. And, you know, that's kind of my take. Yeah. And plus in five years, you maybe say, hey, look what happened to Jaden. He's a mm -hmm. starter. You know, you it might go back to the pendulum of his way. Um, I do wanted to get your take on that, because I, like I said, when I watch Michael Foster, he's a good prospect. And, and, and he's just not a complete game. I, I a little surprised he didn't get drafted, but maybe that's going to be, maybe he's going to go to a certain team. And I already know he signed a, a he's going to be in a training camp. He already signed, but oh, who do you sign that, that, that will be a uh, pause. Let me pull it up real quick. Cause I just forgot, but he, he already signed, you know, right away that oh, I think the day of, or the night of the draft, he, he, he signed right away. So and that, and that happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, that out there, you know, trying to sign people. These, some of these teams don't have any picks. You know, the Lakers don't have any picks and definitely needed. Well, I think they ended up getting one, but they need to get younger. So, you know, sometimes it's it's sometimes it's absolutely OK. Everybody's dream is to obviously get drafted, but to not be drafted and to be a free agent and have the ability to choose. And maybe a couple teams are courting you. Maybe I can pick from the Rockets and Lakers and, you know, then I can evaluate with my agent. Where, where's the best fit for me? You know, so sometimes Correct. it's a little bit of a gift to not get drafted. And maybe in Michael's Foster, Michael Foster's case, he was able to sit down with his coach and kind of see where he might have the best opportunity. And, and that might increase his chances of landing on the NBA roster one day. Correct. So he's with he signed a free agent deal with the Philadelphia 76ers. And that was on June 23rd. So that's the night of the draft. So he was already in motion. So, you know, and, and with Jaden Hardy, going back to him, and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on. It's, it's when he came from Detroit uh, in Coronado system. And again, it's high school basketball. It's built around him and he mm -hmm. can manipulate it and control it. And he can shoot as many shots as he mm -hmm. want. He can, and he can dominate high school players. We know he's capable of that. He's a really good high school player. And that's what kind of would help him get to that high of a status as far as where people thought he was in that class, which we said on the show is a weak class and it's wide open. Mm -hmm. So, and then when you go against pros, that's taking a big jump because now you can't control that situation as much. Right. In other words, if you're having a bad college season, you can come back and rectify that mm -hmm. the next time. Or there's going to be some weak opponents where you can get your confidence up yeah, and, and get, mm -hmm. you know, have a 20 point game. He would have had a 20 or 30 point game every fourth game or so in college, you know, and oh, that absolutely. might have helped his confidence. But when you start off slow against pros and again, you know, guys like uh, Pooh Jeter or guys like uh, Amir Johnson, they got family and wives uh, married. They got kids and they're going to go eat dinner. And we're compared to, like you said, Ty Ty Washi, he's going to hang out with his peer group in a college dorm or a college environment. It's a lot different. It, you you can doubt yourself or you can get down on yourself. And and, and that's one thing that people got to watch is the environment when you're with pros, when you're when you're on a team and the other guys on the team don't give a hell about you. Right. They're trying to get your spot. Whereas like mm -hmm. you, uh, we, we talked about the college experience, whereas the guys are a little supportive. Uh, it's supposed to be supportive because that's how colleges are built. Mm -hmm. There's a campus wellness. There's an academic tutor. There's an academic coach. You know, th there's more support. I think the guys in the G League were more out on an island. It's like sink or swim. And, right. and maybe Jaden is going to uh, swim and swim well. Uh, he definitely needs to work on becoming a – uh, a complimentary player because he wasn't a complimentary player on yeah. his travel team or his high school team was centered around him. So you gotta, he's gotta get into his shot faster, make a better decision and faster decision. And, and that will, because he's one of the better shooters in this draft, it, it, he'll have a chance. So 
if he learns that and can do that, I think he'll he'll be good long term. And I do say this though, you know, I obviously he's probably not happy. If you look compare and contrast what Dalen went through, how happy he was around his friends and his family, and then Jaden getting picked, I, you can see it's just like another anybody else that falls in the draft. They're kind of like, boy, I really need to pick this up. And I, I wanted to get your take on that because. You know, again, we're talking about having confidence. Now that may he may have it in him. You know what? This is going to give me the fire that I need to turn this around, and I'm going to show everybody that I'm a lot better than the pick I went at at 37. But I wanted to get your opinion on the process itself because we talked about it. 24 guys were invited, and it seemed just seemed like they had no idea where they were going. I mean, Terry went 18, Hardy went in 30s, uh, Marjan went, you know, uh, 24. You know, because obviously the first 24 guys didn't go the first 24 picks. So what did you think about them inviting 24 guys? And is that right? I don't. I personally wasn't a fan of it. Um, obviously, we know where the lottery stops yeah. um, and that a lot of guys were, you know, not yeah. going to be picked, um, you know, uh, as early. So, you know, I, I didn't really like it. I think that the NBA needs to do a better job of maybe making teams come out and say, hey, you know, we're looking at these couple guys and developing a short list based off of the picks and stuff like that, because, you know, it, it, it's disappointing. You, you don't want to ever, you know, obviously it's already disappointing to get drafted, you know, way below what you thought you would get drafted. But yeah. I, I just don't want to negate a moment like that for yeah. just kids that have waited their entire life to hear their yeah. name called and to be drafted. Like if I'm there, I need to know that I'm going to be called or, you know, maybe you have <laughs> one or two kids, but yeah. you, you guys had, it went way past the lottery in terms of yeah. availability for guys. And, yeah. and, and I just, I'm just not a fan of it. Now I know yeah. you can't always control it. Maybe there's a surprise yeah. pick every now and then, and somebody's waiting, um, you know, but I, I just felt like the NBA kind of dropped the ball a little bit on that. Um, but what I will say, just advice for players, you know, I was a player who went undrafted. Um, I, was not invited to the draft because the WNBA draft is even tighter. You pretty much know sure. who's going to get drafted or not. But I was on the draft board for um, at least the last seven, eight picks. Um, and my sure. name wasn't called. Um, but it's, it's all about your approach and how you just kind of, I, I always try to tell my girls that I coach and just people that I'm around, like you, you don't want to get lost in trying to prove, 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 like this is what should have happened or whatever. You just need to prove yourself right. And, yeah. and if Gaten knows that he's one of the better players in this draft, let that motivate you, you know, let that influence your work ethic um, sure. and let that kind of guide you through the, you know, the ups and downs of the NBA, because it's going to be hard. It, it's always going to be hard. It's going to be hard for the number one pick. It's going to be hard for the number 37th pick. So it, it's yeah. all about your approach and, and just having a perspective on stuff, because, you know, being the number one pick doesn't mean that you're going to have a great NBA career. I mean, sure. we can go down the list of the people that, you know, yeah. and we can go down the list of the people that got drafted and, you know, late or last, like Isaiah Thomas, you know, what was yeah. he, the 59th pick, the 60th pick of yeah. Sacramento. Um, yeah. You know, his story was crazy. He had one guy who took the time to, you know, kind of shake his hand and interview him when he was drafted that night. And, and you know, he still was able to carve out, um, you know, his own path and his own way in, in the NBA. So I, I think you just have to kind of keep that, you know, as the main thing and the focus that all your goals are still in reach, um, regardless of where you were picked on that night, you're going to have opportunities, you're going to have chances and you got to make the most of them. 
And, sure. and, and that's really just the biggest thing. Like that's the best advice I could give. And I've experienced all that. And, you know, I managed to carve out a 10 year, you know, career overseas and bounce around the WNBA to several teams. And, and I wasn't drafted either, but it's really just your will and your determination. That's going to kind of decide how it happens for you. Yeah. That's great perspective. You know, uh, like you said, you you felt a little bit of that, or you could probably uh, empathize a little bit with with Jaden. You didn't you didn't get picked when you came out in the draft. Would that have been the two thir two thirteen two twelve? Yes, two thirteen yeah. yeah. So you know, you can, rich right here. Yeah, so you can you can uh, give some great perspective. And that is great perspective. And and like you said, the points you made about people's career. Some of the guys we compared. Now, obviously, we compared some some guys that went really high, but. If you look at Keldon Johnson, some of the comparisons we made, we made him a shade and sharp. He was 29. Uh, we also made a comparison, Malachi Brown to Chris Middleton. I think both you and Ani liked him. He was 39. Uh, lower than Jaden. He's an all-star. Yeah, Lance Stevenson, who I liked at that comparison, 40th. Uh, again, there are some questions about Lance. Like, you, you, you know, questions coming in. Uh, I mentioned JaVale McGee a little bit with our guy, Dennis Evans. He was 18th, Rudy Gobert, 27th. So it, it, it happens. It happens a lot. We met, you mentioned. No, the yeah, I, I, so think of, I think of like the Joker too. He was like 42nd and his name got called like during like a Taco Bell commercial. He didn't even like, <laughs> you know, so it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it, it does matter because you work for that moment and, and you want to be sure. able to celebrate it. But in the grand scheme of things, now that the draft is over, now it's about what you do. Like everybody yeah. can, you know, bookmark that, hey, he was drafted here. But that doesn't mean that you're going to finish. You know, that doesn't mean where or how you're going to finish. Like it really doesn't mean anything now that the draft is over. So you just got to work. Yep. It's all about work. And uh, as we close out in terms of the uh, our NBA draft coverage, I wanted to mention guys that are, are – I went to the Section 7, and obviously I mentioned that – Ani is uh, went to his live June period at, at mm. Scholastic and to TABC. So Ani couldn't jump on because he's traveling right real quick to Orlando, which is part of the NBA Players Association camp, which is one of the big summer camps. And a lot of those guys will be future players that we talk about and guys who will be in the NBA in like 224 and right. 225. So Ani's getting a good look at them. And we saw some of them earlier at the Pangos camp. And I, I just wanted to mention the guys, some of the standouts that I saw at Section 7 in, in, in Arizona a few weeks before the draft. I obviously went back to Arizona, uh, you know, last week. But I did want to mention some of those kids that, that played well at that event. And I'll just go class by class and just kind of rattle them off. You can yeah, check the story out on ballislife.com um, from various, you know, Section 7 is a great event. It's put on by the Arizona Basketball Coaches Association. They kind of sanction it uh, at State Farm Arena, which is the home of the uh, Phoenix Cardinals of, uh, or Arizona Cardinals of the NFL. Uh, that was a great uh, experience for people. And it's been a great event for a few years. Bishop yeah. Gorman won one of the tournaments. So Bishop Gorman uh, was in the uh, finals. of It was so many good teams that they broke off. The two top divisions were uh, kind of even. So okay. instead of making a 32-team bracket, it was two 16-team brackets, and there was a bunch mm -hmm. of 16-team brackets. So Gorman won one of them. Corona Centennial won theirs for the second straight year. And Bishop Gorman was actually in the finals in 219, which was the first one before COVID hit in, in 220. 
So their, their guys did good rider. He saw this, did well. He, he saw his recruitment helped out, um, you know, with 225 player that they, they have, Kristen Woolley. Uh, mm-hmm. He did really well. He, he didn't play, you know, he kind of bounced back from Pangos camp. He's a 225. He's one of those better prospects in that class. UCLA offered him a scholarship that weekend. Nice. So that's awesome for him. Uh, there's tons of t- standouts. Uh, the best 225 in the country. Now, if uh, we talk about the guys, uh, Cooper Flag, and we and we also talk about Cole Pete from Arizona. Cooper Flag's from Maine. Obviously, the state of Maine's not going to produce a player like Cooper Flag very often. So he's going to transfer to Montverde Academy. He's on that 17 and under team with with our guy Ian Jackson and Dennis Evans. Nice. And if, if a guy is better than if any of those, if, if Cooper flag and our guy Koa Pete end up better than Cameron Boozer, they're going to be hell of a players. Like honestly, Chelsea, there's not going to be, there's not too many yeah. better players in the country than Cameron Boozer. Now no, he's really I, good. His highlights are insane. He's just so big and so strong already. Um, obviously he's Carlos Boozer's uh, one of his two mm-hmm. sons. The other is a twin. They both played for Columbus high school. Uh, Christopher Columbus in Miami, and they came out to this event, so that was awesome. I've seen him on the West Coast before. He's about six eight, and like he's dominating players that are in the two twenty three class. Guys are going to get scholarships. Like he mm-hmm. just beats them to the punch, gets up off the ground quick. He has big, broad shoulders. I know you talk about like guys mm-hmm. that have small shoulders and have big, broad shoulders. He can score, and just his motor. He plays. He plays like a guy with no skill. You know how some guys don't have no skill, but you you got to yeah. have them on the court because they play so damn hard. Mm-hmm. Like. He has skill. So, like, he's a no-brainer, but I, I want to mention some of the guys that are that kind of improved their stock. I don't think he can improve his stock much. He's already one of the probably the 10 or 15 best players in the country regardless of class. So I'll just rattle off some names. Um, Blake Buchanan from Lake City in Idaho was good, 6'10", power forward, 223. Darius Carr, St. Bernard's, California, 223 guard. Devin Curtis, a big man from Heritage Christian in California, 6'10". He's really improved his stock. He's getting a lot of scholarship looks. B.J. Davis from Modesto Christian in Northern California, 6'1 guard. Uh, now the Pac-12 is a little on him, so that's great to see. Jalen Glenn from Sacramento, Intercom, uh, very good. Uh, staying in state uh, in, in Arizona, Isaiah Kai, 6'2 point guard from Campo Verde. I thought he played really well. Uh, Armand Mahdi, Brophy Prep from Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, the really guys who stood out locally and a lot of, they got a lot of buzz obviously because of their name and they go to mountain point high school in Phoenix is Kevin Patton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington state offered him six foot eight from uh, small forward and true Washington. Who's actually Ty Ty's uncle. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's younger than, than Ty Ty, yeah. but he's uncle and Ty Ty came by to watch him check him out. And true's a downhill guard. I mean, there's not too much better downhill guards in the country than, than true Washington. He's also at mountain point six foot four. You'll, you'll hear about him. You'll see about him a lot this year. I thought Cody weary from Coronado, uh, really good, did good for himself. He's a six player. Uh, so I wanted to give a shout out to the local Vegas player. Yeah. Uh, we go to two twenty four. uh, Taj DeGorville from Durango really helped himself. He's starting to get mid major type looks. Yeah. Um, Durango's going to have a really good team here in Las Vegas. Um, Austin Maurer from Medford, Oregon, Cascade Christian, awesome. He's he's awesome weekend for him. He's now on the Pac-12 radar. Mm. Uh, Styles Phipps, point guard from St. Mary's in Phoenix, Arizona, did well. Aaron Powell, who played with a broken hand from Campbell Hall, guard 
in Southern California. He's he's getting his his uh, recruiting pick up a lot because he's a high academic kid. Stanford is recruiting him now. Oh, wow. Nice. So very good for him. Six one guard. His dad uh, is a physical uh, conditioning trainer and and a, a medic for the for the LA Clippers. So you know he's well versed in the game and he's finally clicking for him. He's two twenty four. Tyrone Riley, who led his team, St. Pius, St. Matthias Academy in Southern California to a divisional title. Again, there was 250 teams or so. So there was 14 divisions of, of 16 uh, team bracket. There was 14 divisions of that, and they won one of them. Tyler Thompson, I thought, did well from Vanden and uh, up north in Northern California, Travis Air Force Base. Uh, 225, we kind of mentioned the Boozers. Caden is the younger brother. He's more of a point guard. Braden Burry's from Riverside Poly. Terrific uh, combo guard. Alec Blair who from De La Salle, Concord. He's uh, also turning into a guard. He should be recruited at a high level. Um, Doug Langford, kind of a sleeper for St. Pius, St. Matthias team that won. Uh, C.J. Shaw from Mojave. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Mojave. Very good. CJ Shaw, uh, 6'3 guard, did really well. I know, Mojave, you're obviously going to be always re- rooting for the Rattlers, correct? Your Rattlers. The Rattlers. Yes. And to close it out, I want you to mention two or three 226s. Obviously, they're ninth graders to be. Ty Ingram, who's at San Ysidro High School with Mikey Williams. You might know Ty Shelley. He's, oh, nice. he's Tyrone Shelley's son who okay. played at San, San Jose, say Tyrone Shelley, has a young son, Ty Ingram, 6'3", shooting guard, Braden Kaiman, uh, whose brothers um, played at UCLA, he's now playing at Wyoming, and Mason McGee, who's from Basha, Chandler, Arizona, he's the third, 226. I, ju- I just can't believe we're already talking about 226, right. but time is just going by. So those are some of the name. Again, there was 225 teams. I, I can't rattle off everybody in. Those were the guys I thought improved their recruiting stock right away. So it, it, that that closes out again. I, I got to take a breath because it's just a lot of names, but I wanted to get them all in there. But those, those, that was a great event, and I'm sure Ani's going to come back and tell us about the guys from Texas and, and NBA Players Association who did well. Nice. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So as, as we said, those the, that's the future. We, we wanted to talk about the NBA, and we, we obviously want to see this Brittany Griner situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a positive conclusion, and we hope it does. You know, we obviously everybody's kind of holding their breath and crossing their fingers there. But I think for now we'll we'll wrap up on episode 134. Shout out to everybody that supported us. Shout out to everybody who watched the show. Come back and watch the uh, you know this episode, and you know who listens. Again, we do do some uh, highlight videos or we throw some photos in the YouTube version. So if you can watch the YouTube version, tell people about it. We appreciate it. Make sure you support. All the other podcasts, Kicks of Your Life with Jordan McLaughlin, Nolan Rouge, Unapologetic. You can find them all on the Ball's Life uh, podcast network. But for Chelsea and Ronnie, uh, we're signing off on episode 134. Bye, guys. <laughs>